Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. I hope you all feel spoiled at the 5 o'clock Sunday night liturgy, those of you who come every week. I hope you know how powerful our teens are in proclaiming the Word. They do a powerful job. And we just want to acknowledge their willingness to learn and be open to learning how to proclaim God's Word and the parishioners who work with them each week. Tonight, again, another great job by our young people. And so I'm just very grateful. And you have the advantage of really having the Word of God proclaimed in a very life-giving, powerful way that's meant. And so be spoiled, huh? Be grateful and be thankful that... uh, You know, we're pretty blessed to have some people who take the Word of God very seriously. Speaking of taking things seriously, at Sunny Slope High School football, on the football field, there's a fence that surrounds the field. And from the locker room, the players go on the field through a gate that is manned by school officials. And so, players are allowed on the field by going through the gate. Coaches are allowed on the field going through the gate. School officials, the trainers, anybody that might be a special guest are allowed to have the gate open and they enter. And there's some seats in the end zone. And some special fans are allowed to enter through the gate. They think they won the lottery, but it's just a dumb high school football game, huh? And yet, other fans are not allowed. They are not allowed to enter the gate. They must go sit somewhere else. And I think gates are very familiar to us. That kind of understanding in our world is keeping people in that we want in or allowing them access in and keeping others away. The gospel with a parable really centers on a gate that separates a rich man from a poor beggar named Lazarus. Remember, parables are meant to either give us new insights into God or renew our insights into who God is. Parables always challenge our worldview of thinking, and this parable is no different. Lazarus is a word that means God helps, and he's outside the gate of the rich man who eats scrumptiously every day. In other words, he's eating at Golden Corral every day. It's a great, great meal. And he gives no thought about Lazarus who can see from the gate of what is going on. And every day there's an opportunity. And so the listeners at that time are expecting the rich man to eventually go through the gate and to help that beggar. Beggars at that time were seen as sinful people. That poverty was a sign of God's punishment to people. And what made worse is that Lazarus is so passive, he doesn't do anything but lie there, just waiting. And the people are thinking, why doesn't at least beg so that the rich man has an opportunity to offer him alms, become useful? And so as they listen to the story, Jesus throws them a curve, and Lazarus dies before anything can happen. And so does the rich man. Things are reversed. And then Lazarus goes from dining nowhere with no food, no table, to being as what's called the bosom of Abraham. Whenever you hear that, that means it's a meal. Because in the ancient world, they would recline at table. 
And so you would lean back, and the special spot was right next to the host of the dinner. And so Lazarus leans back, reclines at table near the chest of Abraham. The rich man goes to a place called Hades, a place of torment. And he's not there because he's a rich man. Because we know Abraham, well, his life on earth was also a rich man. But why is it that the rich man finds himself in torment? It is because of his unwillingness to walk through the gate. The gate represents the kingdom of God, an entry point for the rich man and you and I to either walk through the gate to meet the needs of a person, of the other, or to keep them out. The problem with the rich man is that while on earth, he never makes a motion to go through the gate. And even when he goes to the other world then, in the nether world where he's at, he says, Abraham, have Lazarus come to me and comfort me at this time. And even in that world, He makes no effort to move in motion to go towards Lazarus. So this gospel isn't about doing acts of random kindness. Oh, he should have helped poor people. He was homeless, and we should find out his name and give him a packet and all. Those things are good. But something more is required with the rich man for God. The solidarity of being a human being. Forgetting that that person who is suffering is also human and also belongs to God. That's what happens, is that it's a solidarity that we're in this together. And that's what the rich man forgets. And so, even though that can be a scary word, solidarity to some people, I kind of want to give you an example that maybe the best part of being a community a Catholic community, a Christian community, any community that follows God. There's solidarity that can happen. All of us are aware that a few weeks ago in El Paso, Texas, a shooting happened. People were killed and injured. A priest from St. Paul's Parish in El Paso called many people together in El Paso. He invited at his church for a special meeting those from Congress people from the federal government agencies as well, those from the county officials, those from the city officials as well, first responders, but also lay first responders, regular men and women, and even priests who offered anointing before they died, were called to the meeting, as well as the news media and other people. There were 400 people that showed up to that particular meeting. And what they decided to do, the priest said, is that we're tired of gathering for vigils. That's not what we want to do. And so they broke everyone into groups of five. And there were two questions that they asked. How are you doing? And what do you need? How are you doing? And what do you need? Now, if you're familiar with government officials, sometimes they're very cautious of their feelings. And they won't express them in terms of emotion many times. That's understandable. But 
At that night, government officials began to weep. People in general began to weep and talk. Even people from the news media who were there and part of the groups, they too also wept. That solidarity. And they turned to the priests and the people running that day. No one has ever asked us this. No one ever wanted to know. That's the greatness of community. The solidarity in that we're in this together. That we have a common human fear and human joy as well. And we're losing that as a society. We're becoming so individualistic for many reasons. I don't have time to to go all that. Each of you have your opinions, but you see it quite clearly. One of the ways that we see that community is, is hurting and broken is in the lack of way that we grieve as Americans right now. Because for most people now, when they lose a loved one through death, the majority of people now are choosing not to have any service whatsoever when the person dies. Usually, the person didn't want anything, or they requested that, or we don't see a need for it. Or there's denial of death and being unable to handle that. And so where do people go to grieve? Where do people go to comfort one another and journey together? And if it's only individualistic and never honoring the person's life, never crying together and saying, funerals are not so much for the person who's died, they're already with God. Funerals are always meant for us to grieve together, but also to leave with hope that one day we will enjoy the friendship of those we have lost. But where do you go to process that? That's why community is important. And so those of you who struggle and think, well, it's about going to church and it's about going to communion and feeling an obligation and my parents are forcing me to go. You know, where do you go in solidarity? Where do you go to grieve but also express great joy and thanksgiving? It's community. The scary part is, though, in our society, we use words that cause division. Think about the divisive heart and the gate in the heart of the shooter in El Paso, Texas. How he wants to keep people out and keep certain people in. His gate was not the kingdom of God gate. He has no desire to walk through and see the solidarity with those who are different. And so there are words that scare people that cause the viciousness in our country. I'll give you an example. I have a very close friend who, after this story, I'm still close friends with. Eric, you know what the problem with Catholicism is right now? You know what it is through the preaching and what the church stands for? It's all about socialism. They preach socialism, that's all. I go, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's the kingdom of God and the gospel? No, 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 it's socialism. And all I told him was, I don't think I laid my life down for socialism. I didn't. 
but I have laid down my life for the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And parables invite us to turn our way of thinking upside down. And that's not always easy for people. So when we hear the word solidarity, that can make us uncomfortable, and we begin to separate and divide. When we hear the word social justice, we categorize people either wanting to do good and change things or being troublemakers. When we hear the word diversity, we think, oh, great, now we got to change everything and all. And we just cause a lot of division. And so it's always us versus them. And yet that gate represents an entryway into solidarity. Not our differences are to be found in the kingdom of God, but our solidarity. That's why Lazarus is there. But that's why the rich man is not, because he's forgotten that. Even in our church, we use poor language that causes division. Why do we ever use the word Protestant? And yet you and I are taught that, and we talk it. And some people who work in church and who are great ministers, it just flows out of their mouth like nothing. They're Protestant. They don't realize the divisiveness that their language calls. When we have so much more in common with our Christian brothers and sisters, I purposely have done that years ago. Very rarely do you hear me say the word Protestant now. Because I have to twist my tongue now. And I have to say, our brothers and sisters in Christ, or Christians as well as us, because we have so much more in common. And yet, even we as Christians struggle, and we use divisive words like, eh, it's no big deal. I mean, we, we were taught that way, and we don't do anything to change that, because it's familiar and comfortable. And maybe the parable today is inviting us to watch our language. Because certain words trigger Americans to say it's us versus them. And we don't know the gate. Many of us feel the gate is just like at Sunny Slope High School, allowing players and coaches and trainers and school officials and certain selected fans to enter. Others stay in the stands you're not allowed in. We're familiar with that gate. But are we familiar with the gate that Jesus talks about tonight? Do we walk through that gate to the other side and see the dignity and humanity of others who suffer, who long for companionship, who long for dignity? The rich man's problem was neither here in this world or the next did he ever make the move to walk through the gate. And he never knew solidarity. That's why he's in torment. Who do you and I keep out? Who do you I in the gates of our hearts say no? And who do we say yes to? What is Jesus teaching us in today's parable? Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 